Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Edith Warner was facing ruin. Her pride and joy, her beloved tea room, was going bankrupt. It was all World War II's fault. It was hard enough getting people to visit a tea room way out amid the tumbleweeds of New Mexico. Locals had actually laughed at her when she'd opened it. What was this woman thinking? And then the war hit, and gasoline rationing killed travel. The trickle of tourists dried up like a summer creek in the desert. And after years of getting by, Edith realized she had to shut down. Until... An unexpected guest arrived. A man named Robert. A thin guy, chain smoker. He was a scientist out in California, but he loved the desert highlands, and he came back year after year to see Edith and get a slice of her famous chocolate cake. But she would have to break the news to him. This would be his last visit. Except Robert had some news of his own. You're staying open, he told her. <laughs> How? she asked. It's in the interest of national security, he explained. In fact, you're about to be busier than ever. National security? What on earth? But if Robert promised to save her tea room, he also told Edith that her world was about to change, and not necessarily for the better. You see, Robert was Robert Oppenheimer, head of the Manhattan Project's top-secret weapons lab at nearby Los Alamos. And although he couldn't tell Edith, he was about to build the world's first atomic bomb, more or less, in her backyard. Hi, I'm Sam Keen, and you're listening to The Disappearing Spoon, a topsy-turvy, sciencey history podcast where footnotes become the real story.
Edith Warner grew up as the daughter of a Baptist minister in Pennsylvania. She had hooded eyes and wore jangly bracelets and favored red clothing. Someone once described her as being, quote, as thin as a reed by a salt marsh. In Pennsylvania, she taught school in a one-room schoolhouse and absolutely hated it. It was too cloistered, too monotonous. She finally had a nervous breakdown in 1921. So her doctor sent her out west to recover, get some fresh air. That had been the cliché cure for Easterners ever since the days of Teddy Roosevelt. And Edith was pretty cliché in New Mexico. As soon as she arrived, she started gushing about the wildflowers and the painted cliffs and big open sky. The locals just rolled their eyes. Another tenderfoot who'd scurry back east any day now. But Edith really did love New Mexico. So when her year was up, she became a nanny for a local couple. After that, she tried odd jobs to hang on. She always had ideas for work, little business schemes to scare up money. But as a single woman with no capital, nothing ever came of them. In 1928, she finally resigned herself to returning east, back to suffocating schoolrooms and nervous breakdowns and, who knows, perhaps a quiet suicide. Until she finally caught a break. A local boarding school called the Los Alamos Ranch School happened to store food and supplies at a dusty little railroad depot called Atoe. Now, the depot wasn't much to look at, just a run-down wooden house and some cottonwood trees. For years, a gnarly lumberjack named Shorty had manned the depot and guarded the supplies from bandits. But Shorty had gotten tangled up in bootlegging a few years earlier and disappeared. Since then, the school struggled to find good help. So in 1928, they offered the job to Edith for $25 per month. She accepted in a heartbeat. Still, the job wasn't easy. She had to gather her own firewood and fetch her own water from a well with a bucket. Mail was a full day's horse ride away. She grew lettuce and tomatoes in her garden, plus choke cherries for preserves. But the ground was so hard sometimes, she had to hack the carrots out with a pickaxe. It was isolated, too. Wild animals roamed about, including coyotes. Not to mention the occasional drifter after dark. The minister's daughter learned pretty quick that there was only one way to discourage them. Edith never complained, though. She opened a little store at the depot, selling gas and pop and tobacco to tourists. There was no electricity, but she kept the Coca-Colas cool inside the well. And just when she was finally getting on her feet, Edith decided to gamble everything and open a tea room. Now the locals knew she was batty. This was a land of cowboys and rustlers, bandits and drifters. Whiskey they might have come for. But imagine them kicking their boots up, flaring their pinkies out, and sipping tea. No one could see it. Edith didn't care. She insisted it would work. Still, for a proper tea room, she'd need to fix up her house. Shorty the bootlegger hadn't exactly had a domestic touch. 
He'd covered holes in the walls with tin sheets and let the roof sag dangerously. One room had no roof at all. So Edith visited a nearby Indian reservation and hired a builder there named Talano Montoya. Talano was a 60-something Puebla with long black hair and braids. He'd led an eventful life. As a young man, he toured with a group of sun dancers who performed all across Europe. London, Paris, Berlin, Rome. Thousands had cheered him. But all that glory had made it hard to return to the reservation. By the time he met Edith, Talano's dancing days were long over. He built things now. And shoring up Edith's house turned out to be a heck of a lot of work. In fact, he was there almost daily. But he liked Edith's company. He learned that she came from near Philadelphia, which made him smile. He'd danced there once, and he told her about his other travels. They soon developed a bond. And one day, around quitting time, Edith suggested that maybe it would be easier on Talano if he just stayed the night. It would save him the two-mile walk home, plus another two miles in the morning. So, Talano did stay. And after that, he never really left. Now, the exact nature of their relationship isn't clear. After all, Talano was a quarter century older than Edith. But you take a lonely man and a lonely woman, neither of whom really fit in anywhere else, and you put them together, well, you can draw your own conclusions. With Talano's help, Edith finally got the tea room running. And to everyone's surprise, people came. Hikers and motorists would pop in for Coca-Colas or a slice of her scrumptious chocolate cake. Then they'd spread the word about this oasis when they got back home, and soon more visitors would trickle in. These visitors included Robert Oppenheimer, the atomic scientist. He first stopped by the tea room in 1937 on a road trip. And talk about cliché. Oppenheimer had grown up rich in Manhattan, in an apartment on Riverside Drive with Renoirs and Van Goghs hanging on the wall. But he showed up at Edith's tea room in cowboy boots and jeans, his spurs just a-jingling and a-jangling. But he adored the tea room, and he soon brought his wife, Kitty, there. Edith called him Mr. Up. And thanks to the support of Mr. Up and others, Edith finally built something she could call her own. After all those years of struggle, the tenderfoot had made it. Until World War II came along and ruined everything. Have you ever wanted to appreciate books or movies or music from another culture? Do you have a big trip coming up and want to get beyond the tourist spots and immerse yourself in local culture? No matter what the reason, Rosetta Stone is the language program for you. Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Millions have used it. Rosetta Stone knows what works for getting started, remembering what you've learned, and motivating you to stay on track. Plus, the built-in true accent feature gives you live feedback to improve your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. Start today. For a limited time, Disappearing Spoon listeners get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. 
That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Military bases suddenly popped up in the desert, and planes started circling overhead. Local boys started getting drafted, heading off to liberate Paris and Rome and Berlin, all the places Talano had danced. Worst of all, the army bought out the ranch school and sent all the students home. The loss gutted the community. Instead of cars, military trucks and bulldozers filled the highways now. No one could imagine what they were building up there. Meanwhile, the tea room was collapsing. With gasoline rationing, no more travelers came by. Edith held on, stubborn as ever. But she finally decided she was being selfish. There were bigger things going on in the world. She had to get a war job and do her part. And she was about to when... Suddenly, Mr. Opp showed up again. It was spring 1943, and he told her that her life was about to change. Now, he couldn't tell her why her life would change, just that he'd be around more often, along with some friends of his. But Edith was no dummy. Mr. Opp's field of study was atomic physics, and she suspected that he and his friends were working on a top-secret atomic energy project probably an advanced power plant. But she kept her mouth shut. If it saved her tea room, it was fine by her. Now, to step back a moment, why was Oppenheimer so keen on saving the tea room? Mostly for morale. Oppenheimer had fought hard to put his lab in Los Alamos, partly because he loved the desert and partly because the place was isolated and therefore secure. But isolation has a human cost. It wears people down. Plus, Oppenheimer knew the research would be high pressure and demanding, damn near overwhelming at times. People would be living in crowded dorms and barracks, too, trapped inside barbed wire fences. So Oppenheimer wanted a refuge nearby, a little oasis that his scientists could escape to for a home-cooked meal. Edith's tea room was perfect. It sat just 15 miles from the lab. It's funny how history can turn on something like that. Los Alamos is now world famous, partly because the rich kid Oppenheimer liked playing cowboy, and he happened to find Edith Warner charming. But his instincts were dead on. 
Edith's tea room proved every bit as magical as he'd hoped. Starting in 1943, every night at dinner time, six to eight scientists would drive over from the lab and crowd around Edith's table. She usually served stew or an Indian hominy dish called pasola, plus fresh bread with tomato relish and pickled watermelons and spiced peaches, and of course, chocolate cake for dessert. Like a scientist herself, Edith actually experimented to get the recipe just right in the high altitude of New Mexico. But the effort paid off. One admirer described her cake as being as tender and moist as a spring morning. Everyone raved about the cake. And you can actually find Edith's chocolate cake recipe for free at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. And while you're there, check out the bonus episode for this podcast. It explains the science of baking at high altitudes. And it even includes a little bonus within the bonus about how baking differs at the highest altitudes of all in outer space. Visit patreon.com slash disappearing spoon. Overall, the Atomic Tea Room proved a hit. Edith allowed no booze in her house, which was alien to the hard-drinking crews of Los Alamos. Scientists there regularly passed out on the floor at parties on base. It was their way of blowing off steam. But despite the ban on booze, reservations at the tea room were booked months in advance. And scientists happily paid $2 a plate, around $30 today, just to escape for a few hours. Her tea room was like a wormhole into a different time, a whole different world, before the whole mess of the war. Beyond Mr. Opp, guests included Edward Teller and Enrico Fermi and the incomparable Niels Bohr, who Edith always referred to by his codename, Mr. Baker. Now, these were not carefree years for Edith. She had to rise at dawn each morning to chop vegetables and hack carrots out of the ground. Then she cooked all day. Talano did help serve food at dinner, but he was in his 70s then and slowing down. And she was the one stuck scrubbing the pots and pans long after dark, only to rise again at dawn the next morning to do it all over. But it kept the tea room open. And despite the drudgery, she told people it was the best war job she could imagine. Of course, it couldn't last forever. Exactly 75 years ago this month, in August 1945, Kitty Oppenheimer paid an unannounced visit to the tea room one afternoon. Now, Edith had long suspected that Mr. Opp's scientists were working on atomic energy out there. Kitty finally told her the truth. The scientists had been building atomic bombs, bombs of unimaginable power. One had just devastated Hiroshima. Another would soon level Nagasaki. Just like Mr. Opp had promised, the world would never be the same. The war ended a week later. And after celebrating in Los Alamos, the atomic scientists there scattered and left New Mexico behind. And after that, a new breed of visitor took over. Gruff military types. They didn't care about tea rooms, just production rates and megaton yields. They never glanced twice as they motored by Edith's home. For the first time in years, the tea room stood empty. Now, 
Edith and Tolano had never had many needs, but they couldn't live on nothing. With no customers now, they eventually had to abandon their wooden house and move on to a new home a few miles distant, a cheap adobe one. And with that, the tea room closed for good. Edith developed cancer a few years later and died in May 1951 at age 54. Talano, 80 years old, his hair still black, buried her behind their new home. By then, of course, the Cold War had started. Local boys were getting drafted now for Korea, fighting for places Talano had never visited. And the danger of every battle there was ratcheted up higher and still higher because of what had happened just west of the tea room, where Edith's dinner guests had built the first atomic bomb. It was an accomplishment many of the scientists at Los Alamos would come to regret. However necessary the work had seemed once, several of them were devastated with guilt after Hiroshima and Nagasaki and wished they hadn't taken part. In fact, when looking back on that time, Edith Warner's tea room was one of the few happy memories they had. They remembered the pozole and the spiced peaches and, of course, the chocolate cake. But they remembered something beyond that, too, something deeper. Like them, Edith had built something kind of crazy out in the desert. But unlike their handiwork, her tea room had not survived the war. And with the passing of the tea room, they felt something else pass, too, their last real connection to before. Before the compromises they'd made and the messy aftermath, before it was too late for the world to turn out somehow differently. They wondered about all that sometimes, whenever they wondered about Edith. What if they'd turn their genius towards something else? What if they'd build something more like Edith had, something just good? As one of the scientists there, Philip Morrison, later wrote, Edith Warner stands in the history of those desperate times as a kind of rainbow, a sign that war and bombs are not all that men and women are capable of building. For more information about this episode, visit patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. There, you can also suggest stories for future episodes, get signed merchandise, and find bonus material like extra podcasts and pictures. Also visit samkeen.com slash podcast. There you can find more incredible stories from my books and learn how to book me as a speaker at your school or event. And if you like this podcast, please spread the word to others, both online and in person. I'm listener-supported, and word of mouth means a lot. Thanks for listening to The Disappearing Spoon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 